Bad at Parties is sponsored by Abbey Art Seattle and the Ballard Homestead, music, arts, and community events for people of all ages and incomes. With reoccurring events including the Moth Story Slam, Cathedrals, and The Round, there's always an event when you're in Seattle. Check out Abbey Art's online calendar for intimate performances by many of the artists featured on Bad at Parties. Learn more about this nonprofit organization and how you can attend, volunteer, and host events at fremontabbey.org. Hey gang, this is Andy Zook, and you're listening to Bad at Parties, one-on-one conversations with artists at the corner of the party. This week, I am joined by Abigail Swanson in celebration of her new book, More Plain Things, which is a look at how we engage with one another through screens. Abigail and I actually went to kindergarten together, and she is and has always been an artist, engaging in visual, experiential, and auditory mediums. This work is an articulate and amazing conversation to be a part of. So if you want to join into this conversation, Abigail's book release is part of the Capitol Hill Art Walk on September 14th in Seattle and will be at Generations on Capitol Hill. I'll be there, and if you want to hang out two nights in a row in Seattle, I'll also be playing a show on Friday the 15th of September at the Sunset in Ballard with bears and other carnivores. This is the first night of my week-long tour of the Northwest, so if you're in Washington, Oregon, or Idaho and want to connect, feel free to connect via Facebook or Instagram beforehand at Bad at Parties Podcast. The info for Abigail's event is in the details of this podcast, so don't forget to click on that and subscribe to the show if this is your first episode. Okay, here we go. Abigail Swanson. You're so timely. You're here like right at eight o'clock. <laughs> I know. I was worried I wasn't gonna make it, and I hate not being right. prompt. I hate showing up late for stuff. Me too. It's the worst. Um, why would you have been late? Were you riding the bus or something? Uh, no, I drove. Um, I'm nannying now, though, mm-hmm. so I sometimes I get caught up at work a bit later than I'd like. Sure. I mean, it's fine, but you know, it, when I schedule other things that are not having to do with nannying, it kind of gets frustrating as someone who likes to be prompt. Sure. So It's like, oh, I'm dealing with people who are also dealing with other people. Right, and they're children, so it's not like you can just be like, all well, right, I'm off work. Yeah, yeah. it's time. I got, Sorry, clock, <laughs> yeah, you know? totally. It's I don't know, like make some mac and cheese and TV's on. <laughs> yeah, like, you're totally. good. Screen, screen out. Is screen out, dude. Now. You guys got to screen out because I am going to peace out. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hang loose. Yeah, how old are the kids you're watching? Um, 13... Eleven and seven. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. That's like the perfect. That's like it's a good I can spread. talk to you. Yeah. I can connect with you. You have things that are shitty in life yeah. and things that are cool in life. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of teen angst that I'm fielding right now, which mm. is kind of it's really good birth control. I yeah. can tell you that much. Hell yeah. And <laughs> and it's also like I become very self reflective, and I'm like. I was such a nightmare when I was a teenager, <laughs> and, like, I get it now. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, how long... So you moved back... You were saying you moved back, like, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Or something. I don't even know where you were. Where were you? I was in Reno, Nevada, oh. of all places. Yeah. Yeah. So you're fine with the heat. You don't care that it's super hot um, up here. No, not really. Uh, it's a lot muggier here, though. Like, it kind of hangs on you, mm-hmm. as opposed to the dry... Um, high, like, desert tundra heat, which is, like, crisp and sure. will burn you. Right. You're, you're <laughs> but, done. But, yeah, you're yeah. toast. But I like that kind of heat better, I think, than this yeah. muggy heat. Yeah. This has been, like, the weirdest summer in the entire world. I know. It's, like, California now, yeah. I guess. Not like, a fan. Washington is California. I, I don't know how I've, like, there's never been a fall that I'm more ready for yeah. than this fall. Like, I am 100% in. Yeah. Pants. I, Long sleeve shirts, <laughs> jackets. These are the things I look layers, best in. Layers, yeah. yes. I want layers so badly. Coffee, I want layers. hot coffee. Boots. I want to wear boots. <laughs> I am so like I hate shorts. Shorts are the dumbest. Yeah, thing. and we're the boat. We're we're the both. We are both. Yes. Cl- uh, Pacific Northwesterners through and through. So. Yeah, nobody wants to be in that heat. No. No. I don't even know. Why did you go to Reno? What kind of brought you out there? Um. I well. I just. I had tried to move away from Seattle once before mm-hmm. under kind of interesting circumstances. I was working on a like hobby slash weed farm. Cool. Um, 
And yeah, so I tried to move away. I was just kind of hankering to get out. And the plan was basically to like work, save money and move to California, to Mm -hmm. Northern California. Um, but that ended up not panning out and I ended up back in Seattle. Fortunately, for some reason I had the foresight to just sublet my place when I first right. moved. Cause I was like, if this falls through, considering the circumstances, I mean, it's a, it's a hobby weed <laughs> shot. What could yeah. go wrong? These yeah, people exactly. have like their ducks in a line. Like literal ducks yeah. in a literal line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it was, it was pretty bizarre. That whole experience is one I, <laughs> we can maybe talk about another time. But, <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> but so I ended up back in Seattle and I was, it was at the, it was, at the cusp of fall. Right. And I just kind of got really depressed and was like, oh, that was a failed attempt to leave. Sure. Um, And I had also met somebody in uh, Reno, which Mm -hmm. was really close to where I was in California. Right. And we ended up falling in love. Mm -hmm. And so I basically moved to Reno for love. Right. And for to get out of Seattle. But right. Just like, ooh, there's also love. Yeah. Right. It was a bonus. Like, it's a yeah. love bonus. Yeah. Love bonus. Also, cost of living there is way, obviously, way cheaper right. than Right. You can so. kind of only go down on the ladder of totally. cost of living yeah. from this freaking town right now. It's true. Yeah. Unless you go to, you know, whatever, San Francisco. Or New York or something like right. that. Right. But right. New York, I think, in, in a lot of ways, is almost comparable yeah. at this point, mm-hmm. rent-wise. Yeah, it's getting pretty close. It's freaky. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> so you moved out there, moved for love, moved for fun, and I want to get out of Seattle. Yes. That's cool. I feel like the last thing that I saw um, that you were doing was, I knew you were doing that Full of Roses project, which mm-hmm. I think like you and I ran into each other right as you were doing yeah. it, and I had been like, we got to do the podcast, and you yeah. were like, yes, and yes. then we, it didn't work out. And so like... Oh my God, it was so stressful. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was exciting more than anything putting this project together, but around the time that we ran into each other, I was just, like, all over the place. Sure. I was like, I'm not sure if I can squeeze anything in, but... I, f- I feel like that was almost, like, exactly a year ago. Yeah. It would have been, like, right no about that time. November. November? November? Yeah. Okay, so a little bit further. Yeah, the show yeah. happened the day after Election Day, so... Nice. Yeah. Oh, yes, that's right, because I wanted to go, and I couldn't, because I was playing a show, mm-hmm. um, which was supposed to be, like, this celebratory show. Everyone just thought we had it in the bag. I know. Dummies. Big old (laughs) dum-dums. Ding-dongs and dum-dums. Ding-dongs and dum-dums over here with our (laughs) heads up our asses. No idea. Um, Uh, We don't need to talk about that a whole lot. I just just am like... You know, I'm I like, honestly, I'm gonna like, need at least three more beers. Yeah, we can we can get there. Man. That can be the next podcast yeah. where we are like, okay, let's get into. We're it. gonna dig in. I deep. will say it was very cathartic to play a concert. Like me and the mm. band all wore like all black, and we played like as heavily as we could, and like people cried at the show. It was yeah. It was a great release. It was a very um, yeah. You could kind of you could cut through the. The, like, my smell of sadness. I'm, I'm so, like, rethinking about the pictures I saw from that show that you did um, and being like, oh, that's crazy to think that that's, like, what was on your mind and in your heart yeah. as that's happening. Yeah. Okay, so I, I saw this from, like, a distance. I don't actually know that project super well. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about this because I thought it looked really cool. It looked, like, really brave. It looked really interesting. Um. Well, I at the time, I was getting really interested in uh reclaiming menstrual blood mm-hmm. um i think that it's kind of something that's seen as like taboo to talk about and women or people who bleed right um are told you know just go put a tampon in and never speak about this again right in front of anybody especially not men mm-hmm. um and it's seen as like a disgusting and like horrifying thing when in actuality it's what makes life, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which is one of the most beautiful things I could think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, I was really into that. I was studying a lot about blood magic and mm. about like different, uh, cultures, traditions surrounding menstruation. Um, and I was also charting my own cycle and doing kind of like my own rituals and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing how, um, how life just kind of got easier when I had those rituals because it was like, mm. I know exactly what's happening just by looking at the moon. Right. And so I can kind of ground myself in my body and know what's going on. 
Um, anyway, all of this is to say I decided I wanted to make a piece about it. Yeah. And I collaborated with some amazing people. Um, but the basic gist of the performance element was uh, I stood on a six-foot ladder for six hours, and I descended every half an hour and had somebody pour a bottle of wine on my head. Mm. So, you know, it was it was symbolic of, like, a year's worth of menstruation, essentially. Right. Um, and, yeah, it was thrilling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was difficult. Because um, it was 12 bottles of wine over a six-hour period, and the entire bottle was being poured on you. And then it's kind of that, this is uncomfortable, it's growing more uncomfortable, your right. body is, like, reacting to these changes, and you're not able to do totally. anything. Well, you're physically able to, but you've committed to do nothing about it. Right, right. yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the kind of thing that, you know, unless I reenactment or someone else reenact it or someone else reinstalls it, it kind of will only happen once. And I mean, even inherently, even if somebody else performs it again, right? it still would have only happened once. And it's very experimental. I've yes. never stood on a ladder for six hours. You know, I did some training, you know, I would stand on it for an hour at a time. Sure. Uh, building up to it. Right. But I had no idea what was going to happen. No. So... And th- I feel like that's so, I, I'm just been, I don't know, I've recently been very, very fascinated with installation art, especially body-involved installation art, where um, there is somebody creating the physical moment. It can only exist in that mm-hmm. place and time. Um, other things can re-represent that concept, but it right. isn't going to be the same thing. It will just be another version of totally. that idea. Yeah. 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 Um... I think that's kind of what draws me to durational performance art is Mm. that there's kind of like this air of myth or mystery about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And you kind of, if if you're not there, then you just kind of hear these stories about what happened. Right. And then there's like some kind of intrigue or, you know, storyline that people can develop for themselves. Absolutely. I'm I'm over here looking at these pictures thinking, oh, I saw this and I have like the story where I want to talk to you about it. But even still, like I wasn't there. I had no idea until just now, like, oh, that's where you're at. That's what's going on with it. That's what that experience is. And even still, even with you as the person who did that talking Mm -hmm. to me about it, of course, I can't fully actualize what that was. Right. And, you know, considering the circumstances, it was a pretty intense um, environment. Mm-hmm. considering it was after uh, the election, mm-hmm. directly after the election. Right. Um, yeah, I think I think my favorite part of the whole project was getting to collaborate with um, uh, the musicians and um, the person who made the projections, whose name is Lauren Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. She's one of my favorite photographers in the city. Mm. Um, and then I got to collaborate with this two-piece uh, kind of like avant, music group, musical group, duo, um, called Bad Luck, and then Abby Blackwell, who happens to be my best friend, Hmm. and uh, this person named Monica, who's in a band called Zen Mother, and also in a band called Nordra. She performed as Nordra, which Hmm. is her solo project, and I was just really honored to work with these people who I had so much regard for, and Mm -hmm. the fact that they were all on board and came to rehearsals and stuff and were, you know, delved delved into the subject matter was really humbling and mm. and uh, exciting to me. Did you feel that what they were doing was responsive or was it more like we are going to adapt to, it, to this? Um, yeah, I, I think that there was a, it was kind of a combination. I mean, we had discussions about this kind of sound that we wanted, how we were going to interact with each other. But again, it's the kind of thing that just happens in right. the moment, you know, mm-hmm. uh, ad lib, I guess. Um, I hate to use the word organically. Right. <laughs> then don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll just pretend I didn't, well, didn't say I didn't say So I won't use that word. No, yeah. it happened naturally. In the spur of the, the moment. moment. Right, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And uh, did you feel, were those people that you had been, obviously your best friend, you're connected to her beforehand. Right. Have these mm-hmm. other people been people that you were already in community with, or did this yeah. kind of create an opportunity for that community? Um, I think that there was an opportunity for a community. Um, I think that there were some really tense things going on, and sure. so people were kind of more focused, honestly, on broader issues than necessarily um, 
this particular piece being like a, a bonding moment in a lot of ways. Of course. It was interesting because some people were really feeling connected and other people were really feeling um, like they couldn't connect to anything just because of like the harrowing experience of sure. having a... Feeling defeated. Yeah. Coming into that being like, I feel conquered and vulnerable in this totally. moment based yeah. on what is eventually happening. So, yeah. I mean, let's see. Yeah, two of my best friends were involved. One of the people who was a dumper of wine named mm-hmm. Amanda Leedy and Abby Blackwell. And then this uh, drummer, the drummer of Bad Luck, whose name is Chris Acasiano, who's been a friend of mine for like, wow, almost a decade now. Hmm. Um, I've got him beat, though. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. I do. I remember, I actually remember very vividly playing Barbies with your sister at your like seventh birthday party. That's awesome. And I remember your house really vividly. Mm-hmm. And I remember that um, you took our piano off of our hands. We were trying to get rid of this piano. Yes. Yes. I didn't do it. My right, parents, parents did. Your parents. <laughs> My parents did. I was... So that just goes to show how far back that was. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. I Pre- was thinking about that. I was like, oh, I'm going to talk with Abby. I think that I have known Abby probably longer than anybody else I still talk to at times Yeah, that is not a rela- like a br- blood relative of mine. Right, Isn't yeah. that wild? Yeah, it is wild to think about. I, I can't think of... I guess I keep in touch with maybe like two people from back home, but... That's great. Yeah, it's... I don't. <laughs> I really don't. Well, you know, it's kind of a difficult crowd. Sure. I, I love Arlington and there's so many great things about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But, but here we are. We're going to just yes. have our own <laughs> high school 10 year reunion right, right here. Uh, yes. Right. Uh-huh. We don't need to go no. to some other thing. No. no thank you. I will not be going. No. Yeah. This is fine. This yeah. is just as good. Yeah. Uh, that's great. No. And it's, it's cool um, to see you kind of engaging with this stuff. And I don't know. It, it's so weird to like, I feel like the only reason that I would want to um, and then I think people do want to re-engage with some, like, okay, maybe there was that piece of life that I had way back when that I wanted right. to reconnect with is to say, like, do we, do I want to see what people have changed into or what people have come? Right. And I think that that's fine. But at the same time, I, I think that, I don't know, I don't really feel any desire to create new long-term relationships. No. And I don't feel very excited by small talk. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, I can I can understand that. I mean, I think I really like and this is this would will tie in kind of to the mm-hmm. book the book that I'm releasing. Right. Um I'm really into like networking and like social media. Right. I really like it. I, mm-hmm. I'm not really uh I, I'm not on Facebook very often, but I've been kind of thinking about um social media as a tool for connecting with people that you might not otherwise connect with. Right. Um, and I've had a lot of, like, really great experiences that way. Mm. Um, and so, I, I mean, I suppose... I suppose it's not pursuing some kind of long-term relationship, but it is interesting to parse what kind of connection you're making with people when you're absolutely on a computer. Right. And there's yeah. no need for every relationship to be a long-term relationship. Right. Sometimes a relationship is that moment and that is fine. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but certainly I don't have any interest in revisiting old relationships sure. to see if they're what, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. Isn't yeah. that strange? <laughs> I feel like there is this desire to be like, I'm interested in the newness of the possibility of a gr- like a completely unknown thing. Right. But something, someone that holds such a significant space as someone that you went to school with for years and years or that you grew up with as a childhood friend, it can be like, I don't know that I can recreate you in my mind. Even yeah. if you're like a completely different person, you hold this place good yeah. or bad. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, I think initially I wanted, I was excited kind of in like a misanthropic way to go hmm. back to the, uh, to our high school sure. uh, reunion, um, just to kind of be like, oh my God, right. like, you know, kind of like people watching and, and feeling certain levels of like, yeah, just be like, look at you wow, and I, I am not that and here. I did not want to, yeah. of course. Yeah. That's the, and honestly, I kind of checked myself and was like, "That's honestly the only reason yeah. I want to go to this." And like, who the fuck am I? Yeah. It's kind of what I <laughs> totally. what I realized. It like, really is 
petty and it's so fucking petty sadistic and like super like (laughs) short-sighted of like you have no idea if your life is better than them you literally have like the smallest perception of what is good and bad totally like you have no idea and it wouldn't be fun it would like to go under those pretenses no it'd be so masturbatory it'd just be so dumb totally yep yeah, it's it would be nasty. It would be nasty. <laughs> so you were saying that you've been really into kind of engaging with social media, though. And right. you've been, like, really liking that. Um, you, I mean, definitely, I've seen, like, I follow you on Instagram. I see you doing, like, these really cool creative things with photography, with kind of ways that I know that you have um, kind of been challenging other people's perceptions. And I remember, just to kind of finish up this conversation about being back home, being in a small town, right. that there was a moment where there was some group of people saying like, oh, are we going to get together for this high school reunion? And you had very much come out and been like, no, people have like made threats against me. Yeah. People have been really attacking to me right. on social media. Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, that's the very much the other side of it. And, and I was very surprised to be like, what the fuck? Why? Yeah. I think I think that's something that's hard to grasp for people, specifically us like borderline millennials um, mm-hmm. who haven't had internet our entire life. Sure, um, it's hard for us to understand. I think, and this is a generalization, but I I think it's hard to wrap one's mind around the fact that time spent on social media is actual time spent in your life. There's yes. no IRL yeah. in real life mm-hmm. and not in real life. It's Absolutely. like in your real life, you're looking at a screen and like mm-hmm. interacting with it and interacting with people. And that's real time, yes. you know? And I think that people lose sight of that and um, hmm. they kind of feel like it's a free-for-all in which they can just tear people down sometimes or lift people up or connect with people, you know? Um, but it's just interesting to consider that there are folks who still haven't accepted that it's actual socializing. Well, and that's so interesting because what you described just now also is less about, are you viewing somebody else as a real person, which is a total piece of that conversation. And I think what I saw a lot when you were showing me your book and what this is going to be around, but I mean, what you just described also, like, not being able to view oneself as being in real life almost feels like the dehumanization of self. Right. Like, in that process. Yeah, I, you know, I think, I think that, um, I think that people are willing to put just about anything in between themselves and identifying as a member of humanity. Hmm. Um, I think that people don't want to deny that they have a, like, capital S self that needs to be taken care of and needs to connect with other people, um, and they'll put anything in between that responsibility, because it is a huge responsibility to be like, I am this person, I am part of something Mm -hmm. bigger, Mm -hmm. which is, like, however you want to look at it, spirituality, collective consciousness, like you're part of that and it's your responsibility to follow like your true will. Absolutely. Um, and and that's, that's heavy. That's a huge responsibility. It's an, I mean, to do that, one has to acknowledge one's individuality and to recognize individuality, which means also to recognize like you're mortal, you can die. And I do think that that plays largely into it is if you recognize yourself you have to come to grips with what you are. Yeah, I think it's funny because Carl Jung says something on the lines of, like, in order to accept the darkness within others, you must first accept the darkness within yourself. Right. But then Buddha... Humanism. But then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Buddha is like, Buddha's like, um, in order to, like, share your light with others, you must first, like, uh, exude light from yourself. Right. So it's funny how, you know, different philosophers have kind of, like landed on this in, like, different right. ways. Very much saying the same thing, but from opposite sides of the glass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I think that your observation that people are willing to um, disconnect themselves from their content, their right. online content, is just is a sign of the times. It is a sign mm-hmm. of folks ditching any responsibility to themselves and to sure. others. Sure. Um, I think that the political state of things right now is also a sign of that. People want to be entertained. They want to not think about themselves. They want Mm. to feel like they're in 
their own kind of like reality television sure. sort of situation. And so they just kind of like feed into these things and elect people who, <laughs> I don't know, uh, Donald Trump is a reality television Two star. more beers, Abigail. I know. We I'm said sorry, three I beers. Can't, I can't <laughs> it's okay. It. It's I can't okay. get into it. But anyway, I, you get the gist. I no, just, I'm sorry. I, just, I do not mean at all to cut you off. Oh, I no. went for the joke. It's like, fine. I care about what you have to say. <laughs> No, it's fine. I, um, uh, yeah, that's totally for another podcast. But a crystallization of what we're saying here is that people are willing to dehumanize themselves and others. And one of the ways that they do that is by feeling that they have some kind of shield or some mm-hmm. kind of privilege to say something to somebody that they would never like look at someone Absolutely. in the face or approach somebody for the first time and say to them. Mm-hmm. For instance, I had um, a submission from uh, a person named Natalie, who is a beautiful woman. Right. Um, and she was approached by somebody on Tinder, and straight out of the bat, this person said, why does your profile say that you're curvy when you're obviously unhealthy and overweight? Mm-hmm. It's like, can you imagine going up to somebody in a bar or, you know, in any kind of other situation where you might be trying to date somebody? Right. (laughs) Like, that's the intention of being there and saying that? Like, that would just, in in my reality and in the way that I understand people, Mm -hmm. that would just never happen. No. And I think what's crazy about that is it's... You know, kind of something that people who haven't grown up with that, they understand that with cars. They Mm -hmm. understand what it means to be in a car and flip somebody off as a very small version of that bigger concept. Absolutely. I'm not flipping off that person who I would gladly let in front of me if they were needing to, like, get their groceries or something like that. But, like, I'm flipping them off because they're a fucking car. They're not a real human. Yeah. Um, And we, I don't know. I At the same time, that person in the bar... Um, who's chosen to be this person that is saying, like, I am going here to evaluate, discern who is the best, and then I'm going to try to get the best right. because I deserve the best. Right. They've agreed to engage in that contract of um, kind of deciding what is the value of people, tell yes. them, and then take what they can. Right. Um, so... I don't know. It's kind of like you get to choose whoever you want to be in this universe. You get to choose what this universe gets to be. Yeah. But you chose to be someone saying, you're not curvy, you're fat. Yeah. And insinuating that that, that you're, I I get to appraise you. That's a value judgment. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, and I don't imagine that this person would have said that to Hmm. her had they, um, just met her in person. Right. Like, I really don't. I, or mm-hmm. at least that wouldn't be the first thing that someone says to them. Right. Um, and, you know, there are just re- repeating examples of this. And I actually had to step away from the project for a while because I was just getting so um, bummed mm-hmm. about how people treat each other on the internet. And uh, I had to do a lot of actual, like, self... A lot of soul-searching because I in times of heartache or depression mm-hmm. or, like, mania, like, uh, you know, feeling on top of the world, right. I've I've sent some really fucked up things Absolutely. to people or, like, really strange things that I would never say. Right. You've also people. engaged with this Absolutely. platform and concept. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I, I think that there's a risk of sounding like I'm proselytizing, but I'm just interested in it as more of, like, a we've all probably done this in some capacity I certainly I mean I know people who are like no like I don't drunk text people I like I take a moment and I step away from my phone and I don't do these things but I a lot of people who I who I know have the same sort of situation where it's just way too convenient for them to say the thing that they're thinking right away to somebody and um so it's just interesting to kind of yeah. see where people stand with that. What do you think? Um, what do you think makes that difference? When someone says, "I'm going to be mindful and recognize where I'm at and not take this action, knowing how it will affect someone else," and right. someone who says, "All right, I'm here. I'm ready to do this now," and does it? Yeah, I. You know, I could blame it on the stars. I just got told <laughs> that I, somebody just told me. My dear friend Alyssa told me that my Mars is in Aries, which apparently means that I act on like. 
mm-hmm. off the cuff and say the thing I'm yep. feeling and I just get it out. So I could blame it on the stars, but honestly, I think it's just a matter of convenience. And mm. and if somebody is in a state of mind where they're feeling really upset um, or really happy or really horny or whatever, it just right. is so easy. And those kinds of feelings are can take over somebody's, like, uh, I don't know, actions in some way. Um, But I think that there definitely does need to be a paradigm shift surrounding that. I know in my life there needs to be. Sure. um, In, you know, in which you understand that what you're saying can have an effect on people. Right. Well, and you talked about, like, being like, I don't want to be proselytizing, I don't want to be this person kind of getting up on the high horse when you know that, like, this is hypocritical. Oh, yeah. And I think that that is so much a part of, especially, um, maybe, especially more fine arts, or not fine arts, uh, what am I, like, maybe more uh, kind of experimental arts. Right. Um, that it should be an experiment for yourself as well. Saying, oh, like, yeah. I am not secure in this concept. Right. I am engaging in it to try to engage in it. Right. Better. And I, I mean, I think people, I definitely write music, not be like the songs that I'm writing are not because I'm like, I think this and everyone should think this. Usually it's because like, it's like, I wish I thought this, but I don't. And I'm yeah. going to try to think it. So I'm just going to sing it until right. I actually think it. Until you, you know? internalize it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, I just think that especially people who are around our age, you know, late twenties, early thirties, there is this idea of the internet being kind of like a, a mysterious space where mm. um, it doesn't really matter, you know, it because no one other than, like, your friends are really seeing it. But then there's this, uh, there's this other side of it where when the internet first blossomed, parents right. were terrified. They were terrified. Yeah. The same people. I don't yeah. know. I, this is not an original thought. This is me quoting somebody else who's funny, and I can't give them credit. I can't think of who it is and I'm really fucking sad about it. But somebody really funny out there was like the same parents who were like, don't go on chat. People like, those are strangers. You don't know them. Are now commenting on every single photo. (laughs) Are now commenting on every single political thing and being like, you're a a fucking this and you're fucking that. It's like, okay. Yeah, it's it's wild. And yeah, I mean, I know a couple octogenarians that I'm related to who just constantly espouse things. I don't know what word you just said. I uh, want to learn this word. Uh, octogenarian? Yes, what does like this mean? Like 80-year-olds. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good one. That's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and this particular octogenarian I'm thinking of will say things mm. like, you should smile more. more. Right. You should smile more often. And, you know, I Jeez. get that there's like some kind of generational gap there in understanding that that's like pretty but it's the car it's like I don't care if that's an 80 year old behind the wheel or if that's a 16 year old behind the wheel they're fucking driving with their blinker on in front of me and like we have no like if we don't look over at the picture next to the name Mm -hmm. how should we know it's just um, a blob that represents another soul that we fucking hate at that moment yeah. for reading what they put out into the world. Totally. We have no context for who that person is or what's right. going on. Yeah, and even if you do have context, sometimes it's like, but is that an excuse it doesn't matter. for this person? Yeah. You know, like, shouldn't I be holding them responsible for what they're saying? Right. Um, and, yeah, so at a certain level... It is important to call people on their shit. It is. Um, no matter the their age. No matter right. what. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so this book kind of highlights calling people um, on their shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it also um, kind of looks into, like, just how people interact with a screen. Right. Like, um, you know... People are making themselves vulnerable on the internet, too. People who are looking for love on the internet um, are putting themselves out there in a vulnerable position, and that in and of itself is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's just about how you handle that vulnerability and what it means to you um, and whether you identify with your output right. or not. And... Um, in some ways, I think it is necessary, especially now, to talk to people and 
show them that the things that they're saying are actually paramount and that mm-hmm. there are they have access to all of this information. I don't want to say they, but we have access yeah. to all of this information that um, could and should be life-changing in some ways. Like, I, I, you know, most, most, well, I guess I can't say this because I don't know if most people have access to the internet. I have no idea. Me either. But What I, if I just, most people? Yeah. <laughs> if most people have access to the internet, then they have access to, you know, understanding, at least understanding sure. that everyone has their own viewpoint, but at the end of the day, we're all humans. Like, right. we're all people mm-hmm. who are trying to just exist. Mm-hmm. And and I think that it's easy to forget that right. when you have a computer or an iPhone or a Galaxy or whatever the hell. Yeah, it, whatever fucking device. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, think it's, I think it's so interesting because there has been... Um, when art is created that perpetuates a certain idea, it can have a backlash from a community that doesn't want that art or format representing um, a culture or concept that is um, directly adver- uh, maybe adversive to it, or it could be um, feeling that it threatens their culture. Right. Um, and I think that the internet is such an interesting space of things where everything does hold the space of art. Everything is the thing to look at and admire and question realities around. Right. And there's kind of no ceremony around it. And so simultaneously, we're we're all arguing for what is the conversation. Yeah. And people can get so offended by being like, you shouldn't talk about that. You should be talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, yeah, that's a whole thing. It's like, um... Yeah, I mean, there's there are different, I think, different levels of this where just full on telling someone, like, shut the hell up, you sure. should not be saying this, is mm-hmm. is not the way, I think, to address things. Unless, of course, they're, like, Nazis or someone who sure. needs to be told, like, no, like, that is not okay. Sure. You know, that's, like, an obvious one. Right. But um, I just think that there are ways to engage, and there are different levels of engagement, Um that are appropriate. Yeah. There's this really great, I was talking about this with a friend, I think who was on the podcast. Yeah. I was talking about this on the podcast a few episodes back, but um, there's this really great um, Reddit something that I heard about, found out about recently. Um, what's this called? It's called um, prove me wrong or something like that is mm-hmm. like the, the Reddit post. And that might not be exactly what it's called, but basically you come in with a concept saying, this is what I think. And people are not allowed to agree with you. They are only around, uh, allowed to come to your statement that you're originally saying and say, um, and try to make you change your mind. Mm. Um, and if somebody is insulting you, if someone's um, making fun of you, like all those people get booted. Like this is exclusively a place to disagree articulately. And it's been like wildly respected by the Reddit community and like engage with. It's like a super like what this exists. It's being like actually done. And like having people be like, like at the end, like you finish the post by being like, changed like if you or like delta which is like this philosophical like concept of change and so it's Mm -hmm. like really cool to see like that things like that are happening in that concept that people are engaging in healthy conversations yeah and oh and reddit i just did like a hand fart did you get a little one i don't know if i can get one right now i I don't i didn't i if i do it intentionally you can't you can't recreate and that's art (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly that was my performance for the evening thank you hold on (laughs) perfect lovely that was, um, I'm Ira Glass. This was <laughs> Abigail Swanson. <laughs> That's not a good Ira Glass impersonation. <laughs> I just discovered I cannot impersonate Ira Glass. Oh, my goodness. Realized. Well, at well, least we figured it out. You learned something new. Um, yeah, and yeah, Reddit has been a zeitgeist for a lot of, like, right. internet cultural Good or shifts. bad. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yes? I think I've mostly heard about bad ones, but right. that's, I feel like that's a, that's a, interesting way to approach it it does it does kind of strip in ways it strips the humanity out of it Mm -hmm. a bit yeah um but maybe maybe that's for the better in that circumstance um it's hard to say yeah i don't know i think i felt about it that it had ceremony that Mm. there were there was a ceremony of rules around it um, and ceremony creates safety and structure so mm-hmm. that you can engage with something uncomfortable. Right. And I think that it may be a, a typical inorganic 
version of humanity, but mm-hmm. still part of our humanity right. concept. Yeah, civility. Yeah. Yeah. But I might be wrong. Yeah. I like to... I don't know if there's a right I'm or okay. wrong in right. that situation. There's a right, and it's me. <laughs> um, no, so your project. I Your project is named um, More Plain Things, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, damn the source, love the title. <laughs> so great. Um, Thank you. Yeah, really cool. It's going to be at Generations mm-hmm. uh, on Capitol Hill. For, so, yeah. For artwork? Yes. You can say this. I don't have to do this. Art artwork? (laughs) For artwork. For For artwork. Capitol Hill Art Walk, September 14th. Right. At Generations. So cool. Yeah. And and Zachary, who helps around that space, he's Mm -hmm. also been on the podcast. Great friend. Yeah. Awesome. He and I used to work together. Love that guy. Yeah, he's wonderful. Really good venue that he's... He, in fact, approached me about having it there. Nice. He was like, I love this project. Um, I think you should throw a release party here so mm-hmm. I was I'm really grateful it's such a connection. beautiful space to do it in it's such a space that is working actively to make a place for people to be safe especially a space where women can feel safe in a you know community event space where, right. or at a concert space if you're women like, femme identifying people yes. non-dichotomous yes. sort of people yes people that would normally be made to feel unsafe right in such an environment yeah I, I think that I think that Zachary does a pretty good job of um, that, or yeah. very good job of yeah. that. Yeah, and it's a DIY space, so mm-hmm. you've you're going into there when you're thinking about preparing this, mm-hmm. um, and you're thinking about presenting this. Obviously, your last project was more physical body right. um, performance art that mm-hmm. was as part of this installation, and this one is more of there's a physical, and uh, and actually um, replicated version of this art piece that there's multiple versions of. Yeah. Um, how are you kind of coming into that space when you've got something that can be held in your hand and taken away, right. but in, kind of instead saying, I'm going to use this space yeah. for this? Um, I think I think that my baseline um, art or whatever art form medium is writing and um, taking photographs, which can either spur something like a book or it can spur like an image that I want to create mm-hmm. that people can interact with. But generally it comes from like an image that I've either created with a camera or written about. Right. Um, and so I think that there's a certain amount of like physicality to both of them. I mean, there's the obvious physicality of like someone standing on stage for six hours. Um, I think that there's a pretty... I don't feel in the same headspace organizing this event as I did, obviously, yeah. um, the Full of Roses event. Um, it just feels like I'm throwing a party. Yeah. And um, that's that was kind of the idea in the first place because, you know, so many people contributed. Mm. It was kind of just about, like, let's talk about this. Like, right. let's get together. Like, I want to see, like, what you've said or, like, wh- who mm-hmm. said what to you. Um not who, but like what has been said. To or who, you, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, sometimes, yeah. Let's call this out. Yeah. Let's add the name. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, there's a, it's a very different approach. It really is, um, but... It kind of sounds like an album release. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's, yeah, that's, it's a book release. That's, right, it's, it's a book release. It's kind of the same thing. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't sound like an album release. It sounds like a it, book release. Right. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> well, I mean, there are a lot of similarities. Says so the guy who's clearly, ne- yeah, this is background. the guy who's clearly never been to a book release. Right, yeah. yeah. Neanderthal over here. <laughs> it, yeah, I fine. mean, I actually just started getting involved in, um, like, the literary scene hmm. in, in Seattle. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that <clears throat> it all just kind of, all of these projects kind of um, begin as, like, kind of conceptual or something that I'm dealing with whether that be like in my personal life or um I'm like studying it or reading about right. it um and so it all kind of comes from the same place but certainly deciding to throw a party versus standing on a ladder for which was kind of a party I mean people were drinking and having a nice time sure but yeah it's definitely it's definitely a different approach um but I think it's all within the spectrum of what I'm trying to say when, with my body of work, right? You know, so, um, 
I don't know. I have this morbid concept that none of it will really make sense or be cohesive until I die and someone else like looks at it. Not in, Dude, not in like a we should be so we should way. be so lucky to be understood when we're dead. <laughs> like my niece or nephew or right. yeah yeah somebody will figure it out. Right. I mean, it's either that or fade into the dark. Which you yeah. know, either way. Yeah. <laughs> I what won't is, care at that point. What's the saying? It's better to burn out than to fade away. Yeah. Kurt Cobain. Yes. I'm just saying yes to this. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Let's just reference Kurt Cobain. I mean, we're yeah. in Seattle. Yeah, we're here. <laughs> Man, I, you know, it was so, it's so funny. I have, like, had to re-engage with so many art cultural things like that because it wasn't my upbringing. And right. even still, like, especially, like, engaging with music things or, they, or, like, in the music scene, if people, like, bring up, like, oh, pop culture references, I think this has been nice in the podcast, but to, like, teach me and reteach myself how to, like, be like, oh yeah, I am allowed to talk about that. That is yeah. part of a culture that I've embraced. Totally. But I'll still have these moments where I feel my visceral reaction to be like, just let them talk and get through this. <laughs> because I'm so still afraid, I think, at times. And I think a lot of people can fear this when it comes to an art form that they want to engage in. Yeah. The fear of like, what if I get caught not knowing, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. surrounding that. And to be honest, I feel more comfortable if somebody's like, "Have you heard of X?" and I say, "No." And their reaction is to be like, "What?" Yeah. Then I'm inclined to be like, "I'm definitely never going to check that out because <laughs> you just made me feel ashamed yeah. for if not people knowing who about listen to that, something that you like." Right. If people who listen to that are like you, I probably wouldn't like it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And and also, I don't think there's any shame in being like I have no clue. Right. I've got no idea. Right. And what an open space to be like, I want to learn. Yeah. I, I love learning. Yeah. I'd love to learn about that. Yeah. I, and, you know, there is a certain, anyone who's putting anything out has to have a certain amount of ego or a certain amount of... Uh, of course. And when I say ego, that's a loose term. Confidence, like... Um, Drive. Yes, belief um, that what they have is important. Yes, yeah, yeah. but uh, to to be so closed closed off that you aren't willing to be like, I actually don't know. Right. That. Right. And please tell me. So I think that this is where a lot of people who are like, I don't know, you know, a lot of people, I don't know how to gain to interact with an unfamiliar art form. Right. Um, whether it be written in a non-fiction novel format or, or images that are not beautiful landscape, just things that they're like, this isn't traditional, this isn't what I'm expecting, this is right. different type of writing, this is different type of imagery. Um, is What do you feel like, um, or what do you, I don't know, I just wonder what do you think about when you're approaching this, um, how do you see yourself making this accessible to other people? Do you think you care about that? Is that something you're considering with this? Um, I mean, I think this is something that I would like to do quarterly. I would yeah. like to release a more plain things uh, issue quarterly. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think that as it becomes more of a, like something that's happening regularly, I don't want to say institution um, but more of a consistent thing where these mm. calls for submissions are being put out there. Um, I think it'll become more and more accessible to more people. Um, and, you know, people are constantly still going to be interacting on the internet. So there's I'm definitely gonna, no lack of supply, no lack of content. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would say that I'm certainly, I certainly would like everyone to feel open to submitting. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get any submissions from people who identify as cis male this mm, this yeah. time around. Um, people are too nice to us. <laughs> we don't have shit. No one's saying shit to me. <laughs> we it's don't do anything my wrong. Problem, my problem is no one's saying bad things to me. <laughs> I wish I could be involved. <laughs> See, this is really where I feel uh, a disconnect. Is right. There's nobody saying shit to me. Yeah, right. No, I'm yeah. being completely sarcastic. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, sure. We're going to talk about your privilege. Uh, let's get into it. Let's let's check it right here. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, but any, anyway, I, yeah, I don't... Hmm... I hope that people feel like it's accessible. Right. And I hope that that, as this goes on and gains speed or whatever velocity, um, people will gravitate toward it more. I I would also add to that. I hope that those 
um, self-identified males who are coming from a more, like, born male, kind of typical, maybe even white male mm-hmm. background, are able to say, like, oh, I, I can identify with this. I have something. I don't have to deny this. I can, right. I can engage in this. I can present. This is how I was treated in yeah, these ways. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. and, you know, that's... That's, that's, um, I, I feel like men have a lot of privilege and space to say whatever they want at any time. Yes. Um, however, I do find it interesting that no men wanted to, like, be engaged in this. And maybe that's because I'm kind of associating with a lot of the right kind of men who are like, this is awesome. Yes, I support this. Like, what a great platform. Um, I think that a lot of people recognize that queer, non-dichotomous, uh, femme people, um, LGBTQ people, um, are more vulnerable in these kinds of situations because it is a social sphere. Yes. Um, than your average, like, white male. Yeah. Cis white male. Um, but I would be interested to hear those stories too. And so it's kind of, it's kind of like a balancing act. Like maybe I need to approach more Mm -hmm. men about it, but I I also, it's, yeah, it's kind of a, it's like a double-edged sword. It is. I think that what's tough is I wonder if you could find the submissions purely because of, um, the hierarchical nature of our society and the fear that can be associated that a lot of people wouldn't. Send right. the types of things that they would send to someone who is identifying as a female or um, who is a person of color or who is uh, gender nonconforming because they're afraid to say someone to the cis male because that is where the power structure lies and that is, those are often the dangerous people, truthfully. Right. Yeah. These are the people that if you say something like that to, they've never had something like that said right. to them. And they may react dangerously. Totally. Um, Absolutely. Um, And I think that the internet does make a good platform for that. Like, Mm -hmm. it does make a good platform to check people who have privilege, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting to read those threads. Um, Something that I would be interested in in is um, maybe a man, like, fessing up (laughs) and being Mm. like... I Look said at this. Right. Posting it, and yeah. it's like, oh, why is the shitty thing on the right side of the screen? Oh, you yeah. said that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I, I was, I unfortunately am pretty iconoclastic with my um, shitty things that I've said to sure. people via text or like messenger. Mm-hmm. Um, I save a lot of like jokey kind of ones or like bizarro ones that I said or sure. like sex that I shouldn't have sent. Sure. Um, but when it comes to things that I said in like a really emotional state, I usually just immediately delete them so I can just like put them out of my consciousness. Yeah. But I'm kind of wishing that I had, uh, some of the things that I said like to my ex, my last two exes actually, because they were all like kind of nasty long distance breakups and, um, we, both of us said harrowing things to each other, but. I just, I just think that people need to address it in some right. way. And I think what an important analysis to be able... I mean, we talk about those things that people say as a reaction to an emotional state. Mm-hmm. And that later on, you are no longer in that emotional state. And we're trying... We've, we try so hard to understand, like, how was I that person? Right. How was I able to engage in that way? Yeah. And we do <clears throat> so often have the tendency to remove the possibility of recreation or proof of that, we want to deny it. We want to delete it from our phones or whatever format it is. Yes. Um, we want to, you know, cover up the holes in the walls. Yeah. Um, but what is it instead to mean? Like, how do I look at that and not re-enter that emotional state, but and now analyze it from a, a space of peace? And yeah. can I do that? I yeah. I I mean, and I think that's a question to be asked. Absolutely. I think that you do have to do a lot of unpacking and right. be like my God, like what within me. Right. I have this capacity. What demon within me. Yeah. Oh, it's just you. Um, It's just your shitty self. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, to some extent it feels good to rid that from your consciousness. Of course. And, um, 
to another extent, it's important to, to look back on it and be like, acknowledge it. Um, maybe sometimes it deserves an apology. Um, but I don't know. It just, it, it does hold weight mm-hmm. either way. Um, in my life anyhow. And I think in a lot of other people's lives, I, I know people that keep like records of screen captures of shitty things that people have said to them so they can sure. like refer back to them later. Sure. Um, which is kind of, it's a little it makes me think of being a child and wanting to take a tape recorder to school so I could record the shitty things people said yeah. to me, you know? Like, be yeah. like, people are bullying me. Yeah. Like, people want to be like, look, you bullied me. Yeah. You can't gaslight this from me later. Right. I, I have a record of yes. the things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in uh, volatile relationships um, or, like, at the end of relationships... Um, that happens pretty commonly right. via text um, or via messenger, whatever, right. any any platform in which you're communicating with somebody. Um, and sometimes it's important to take those screen captures because there's like an actual danger, you Absolutely. know. Um, I got some submissions where people were saying like, I am outside of your house now, wake up. Like I'm, I can like knock on your window right now. And it's like this person has not been responded to an hour. In hours. And that's, like, actual, like... Yes. Stalking, like, criminal activity. Absolutely. Um, so, it's just... There's just such a range of interactions, um, both bizarre, disgusting, frightening, whatever. And I, I'm just interested in people unpacking those things and um, and recognizing them for what they are mm-hmm. as opposed to being able to just delete them or being able right. to um, disconnect themselves right. from it. Well, and that idea of like you're taking this digital content and putting it into a physical content form. So that means we're not saying, oh, here's something terrible someone said. Swipe. Here's the next thing somebody terrible said. Swipe. Right. It's, yeah. it's taking that. I mean, I found myself, when you sent me the book and I was looking at it, I had it in a PDF on my phone. So I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, that one, next, next, (laughs) next. And instead I was like, Andy, go back and spend like a couple of minutes with each of these. Yeah. And and what if that's how we responded to texts? Right. And and maybe that's the difference of those people who, who can set their phone aside and say, I'm about to respond this way. I'm about to send this thing. Maybe I don't. Is they have the ability to learn the pace that they need to right. interact based on their emotions. Being Absolutely. like, oh, I am very escalated. Yeah. I need to stop moving at 60 miles an hour and I need to get out and I need to walk. Totally. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that platforms like Tinder are definitely com- conducive to that because you're just, like, most people probably don't look at, yeah, descriptions and they're just swiping right and left. Yeah. Not even, like... It's all just based on what they see, mm-hmm. and um, I, that kind of that kind of networking certainly inspires a like instant gratification or instant um, negation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it is it is such a fast paced environment, like you know, uh, and I think that it is important, like you said, to slow it down. Yes. Um, in some regard, and. I think part of slowing it down means analysis, like yeah. like actual deep analysis about your concepts of time, about reality, about mm-hmm. self. Like those things are inherent to right. social media. To do these things, you have to break a format. Right. You have to, like, you can't just, they text it, I text it, they text it, I text it. You have to say, oh, this isn't, if, if I want to change the course of this, I need to do something differently. Like, obviously, this is not working. Working, yeah. 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 Which is so shitty because I say that and then I also think back at the book where it's so often it's just someone else is just bombarding some some poor poor person and that person is like, please leave me alone. Yeah. I am not asking for your interactions right. at all. Yeah, and, and how, how much more cut and dry can you get than that? Please leave me alone. Yeah. Like, you know? I'm saying be, no. Yeah, like if somebody said that to you in person, you would be like... Oh, oh like, my God, I'm what so have I, I can't sorry. believe that I got to the point where you needed to say that right. to me. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I really need to take a step back. Yeah, right. absolutely. Like, you know, um, 
there are these catch 22s though. Uh, I had, I had this interaction with someone who is a friend now, but we tried to date <laughs> at first and it didn't work out. Um, but it's, it's either that or, or like dead together. You know, totally. these are kind of the yeah, two options. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, he's, he's a very close friend now. Um, and he's an excellent writer. Um, I'm just like kind of plugging him right now. That's silly. But, um, we connected really well. Um, he was unemployed. I am a nanny and there's just so much dead time, like waiting for kids to come sure. out of school or whatever. So I have time to text, um, in between things when I'm running errands sure. and stuff. Anyway, so we were texting a lot mm-hmm. for a while. Um, and then out of the blue, he sent me a text that just said, if you want to, what was it? If you want to have more sex, text less. And this was the first time he had broached this subject. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a part of me that thought it was funny at first, but then I was like, what? Like, are you are you setting an expectation? Right. And it's like, and now I feel guilty for something that like I didn't know was a boundary until now. And that was a really strange way of putting it. Right. Like um, instead of saying like, hey, um, I need to be on my phone less and I feel obligated to text you. Like, right. Which is yeah. what he's at. Like he, he has this perception of obligation. <laughs> right. That yeah. you have in no way said you must text me back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to, there's no blame to be pointed. No, I'm just um, pointing really. a little blame. I'm just doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my um, game. But I, it was just, it was just interesting. Um, and also in hindsight, a really funny way of saying that. Right. Um, but at the time I was just kind of like, Whoa, like, right. What did I do wrong? You know? And, um, kind of like my pride was sort of hurt and I was like, I'm going to block him on all platforms. Like send him a text that says, don't worry, I'll never text you again. Right. Right. Like, you know, you're like, you're like, fine. (laughs) You set an expectation. Right. I'm meeting it. Now where's all the sex? (laughs) Where is it? Where will I find it? Where's all the sex? Just immediately get on Tinder. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it's, it's just these, it's these kind of interactions that are interesting to me. Right. I keep saying interesting. I, I have this theory. It's interesting. I have this theory that if you have to preface anything by saying interestingly (laughs) or to describe something, like say that something is interesting, then you can assume that what someone is about to say is not that interesting because it's a quantifier. But I I guess it it just feels like pertinent and and relevant and important to unpack or address. Right. And also maybe, I mean, often I feel like if someone's like, this is really fun. If someone keeps on saying this is really fun, this is going to be so fun, it's because they're afraid that someone won't find it also fun. And right. maybe this is and because maybe they're you're... convincing themselves. Yeah, maybe you're like, <laughs> look, this is really interesting. I'm about to release this project. Maybe I'm a little nervous that what if people also don't find this to be right. interesting? Yeah. Um, yeah. I've only gotten positive feedback, um, which is great. Um, I have asked people to critique it, though. Like, yeah. I've asked people to review it. And, like, people who I know are, like, art critics in the community. One of them happens to be the same person that sent me the more, less text, more sex. Or nice. more sex, less text. <laughs> right. He's like, um, you should use my, you should use that thing I sent yeah, you that was really weird. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he's, like, full, full score for it. He's like, yeah. this is great. Yeah. Yes, I'll review it, you know. <laughs> cool. Um, which is maybe not that ethical. But anyway. I, I'm open to the critique. I'm open to it not being interesting. I just think that interesting is a shitty right. Active. This is not me. This is and that's not me to say it's not interesting. In my perception, I think it's really interesting. Right. I was really excited to have you on the podcast. Am excited. I'm excited to go to the show and see this. Yeah. That was more so me saying, "Hey, where is your fears around this? Right. Around others' perception and kind of prepping that and prodding yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> I have a certain amount of worry that um, that people will see it as uh, like glorifying this kind of interaction. Um, oh, or like uh, <laughs> Yeah, and I and I. <laughs> I said it. That wasn't on purpose. <laughs> and uh, um, I also worry that people hesitate to submit because they feel like it's a more of a private thing that they need to 
address or they don't feel comfortable showing like me or the world specifically these things that people have said. Sure. And um, so I worry about that. I worry about um, uh, I wouldn't say I worry, but I will be happy when I have a broader scope of people that are contributing, you know? Yes. I mean, I have, I I got contributions from people who I've only known via Instagram or... Really? Yeah, from around the world, which is great. That's so great. That's great, but I I would like it to just become a Super brave also knowing the context and the vulnerability that it's like, I'm putting myself out there. With your face, one's face next to it. Yeah. Absolutely. To say like, yeah, this... What if this person who obviously didn't make myself feel safe before gets this? And to say, well, if I don't, the terrorists win. And yeah. <laughs> these assholes are the terrorists. <laughs> totally, yeah. But really. Yeah, yeah, yeah online terrorizing. Absolutely. Yep. Cool. Um, I, I should mention that another thing that's really exciting about the show is um, my dear friend Will Hayes is going to be playing music. Cool. Um, he has this project called uh, Media Giant... Um, and he does, he just makes amazing sounds and, uh, he's like, he's transformed his guitar into like a MIDI trigger. Hmm. And so he can play any sound through his guitar. That's dumb. I obviously, I know, <laughs> so I know. Dumb. <laughs> I, I actually have like a very limited understanding of it. So I, I'm failing to do it justice, but right. I'm really excited that he'll be there. Um, he, his show starts at eight. And so that'll be really great to cool like see i guess when does the whole thing when does the door open door for... opens at seven yeah and it's over at 10 cool um so yeah i think it'll be great to come at any time there will be a lot of fun things happening um and i'm just really interested to hear how people feel about it and um i am interested in hearing what other people's experiences are mm. with a screen a screen. An interesting screen. I'm just going to take pictures on my phone the entire time. <laughs> Will not talk to you. <laughs> headphones in. Yeah, headphones <laughs> in. Nope. No nope. eye contact. Okay, let's, Annie, it's really si- nice to see you. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. This is live. Doing it live. Cool. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. I mean, yeah. was there any stuff that you felt like, I really wanted to talk about this, I didn't get a chance to? Um, I, No, not that I can think of, other than just like, be there. Be there. <laughs> yeah. That's um, so great. Yeah. And um, be open to contributing. That's like the number one thing that's most important. Oh, if somebody wants to contribute. Oh, yeah. How would If they somebody do wants to contribute, they can send a selfie mm-hmm. and a screen capture, preferably in J- JPEG form, but I can convert them also. Mm-hmm. Um, so send a selfie and a screen capture of the thing that someone said to you. And the selfie doesn't necessarily have to be of your face, just a photo of something that represents you and a screen capture to abigailjeanswanson at iCloud.com. Perfect. I'm going to take that info. I'm going to put it in the podcast so people can see that and they can just click on the link too if they want to do that. Awesome. That'll be great. Do you do any editing in this? Nope. All of this that we're saying, we're still talking. (laughs) This is still on the podcast until we we say cheers and we high five. Okay. You ready to do it? Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.